Behind prison walls, serial killers rarely, if ever, kill again. Why is this the case? Is prison security so good that it can suppress some of the world's most ruthless killers? Or is it all about the chase? And once they're caught, their twisted little game is over. Let's take a look. Prison killers. It's important to point out that despite 24-hour surveillance, some serial killers do still manage to kill while behind bars. In Brazil, police officers were transporting two prisoners to a different building, both of which were handcuffed in the back. The police arrived at their destination and noticed that one of them had been killed. The only surviving member was Pedro Rodriguez Filho, one of Brazil's most notorious serial killers. On a podcast, he also mentioned another victim of his while in prison. Similarly, Robert Maudsley was sent to Broadmoor Prison in England and somehow managed to capture a fellow prisoner and torture him for nine hours. All the while, he started bargaining with the prison staff. Ironically, when he was moved to a high-security prison, he managed to stab two more prisoners to death. Since then, he's been locked up in a zoo-like cage and has been compared to Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. But these two killers are exceptions. Most serial killers will not add to their body count while behind bars, and there are multiple factors as to why. The hunter becomes the prey. When serial killers first set foot in their cells, they become celebrities. Some of them gain notoriety and respect, while others find themselves to be a target. When Gary Ridgway entered prison, everyone knew him as the Green River Killer, and he was responsible for the deaths of at least 48 people. So he simply wasn't allowed to mix with other prisoners. The Seattle Times reported that leaving him among the general population would have been a virtual death sentence. And attacking these serial killers is an easy way for other inmates to gain notoriety and fame too. A regular inmate named Carl Hiltz one day noted that he was receiving a lot of fan mail and donations from outside prison. While reading the letters, it soon became clear that he'd become a hero for punching Paul Bernardo, one of Canada's most notorious serial killers. Hits clocked him so hard that Bernardo almost lost an eye, and a lot of people felt that this was a brutal but necessary form of justice. But for Bernardo, things could have been a lot, lot worse. One prison inmate named James Elliott wanted to pay his debt to society, so he went into the cell of Donald Harvey, a murderer of 87 people, and beat him mercilessly. Two days later, he was pronounced dead. Elliott told news outlets that killing Harvey would enable him to do something constructive for the friends and neighbors he robbed and stole from and never gave anything in return. Somehow, I don't think he managed to convince the judge that this was community service. And the most notable example is Jeffrey Dahmer. While Dahmer was in prison, his dark and disturbed sense of humor did not win him many friends. He would rearrange his food to make it look like body parts and then squirt ketchup on them. So when fellow inmate Christopher Scarver found himself alone with Dahmer in the gym, he did not waste his opportunity. The roles were reversed and Jeffrey Dahmer found himself the victim as he was bludgeoned to death with a steel bar. Things get complicated. Perhaps the biggest and most obvious reason that serial killers stop when they reach prison is that it's a bit harder for them to kill others. They're under constant surveillance with limited access to weapons. A lot of famous serial killers were simply kept away from other prisoners. Most of them, if not all, go to maximum security prisons. We mentioned how this was the fate of Gary Ridgway. Dennis Rader, who was known as the BTK killer, which stood for bind, torture, kill, was also not allowed to mix with other inmates. Similarly, Ted Bundy was on death row for most of his time in jail and never really got time to interact with other prisoners. In most cases, serial killers have preyed on women and are thrown in to all men's prisons. In the case of Ted Bundy, he solely focused on women and his motivation was heterosexual desire, so he had no outlets in an all-male prison. During his time in prison, he was free to roam and often went to the library to research his own case. That being said, John Wayne Gacy, whose target was young men, was allowed to carry tools across the prison and was even considered a bit of a handyman. According to UPI, he carried two putty knives, both sharpened, one three inches wide and the other six inches wide. A two-page petition signed by 20 prisoners with a relatively reasonable request that one of the most notorious American serial killers should not be allowed to carry potential weapons around with him. They also charged that he enters the unit's visiting room at will. Without the handcuffs, other inmates must wear and often carrying a tool 
The reason why Gacy couldn't kill in prison was that everyone knew who he was. He could no longer lurk in the shadows. The deadly weapon of secrecy was no longer at his disposal. But sometimes, for these killers, prison ain't so bad. In 2012, the Gaston Gazette in North Carolina received a letter from Danny Robbie Hembury Jr., the convicted murderer of two women. In this letter, he started to inform the newspaper that he was living in the lap of luxury behind prison walls. He wrote, Is the public aware that I'm a gentleman of leisure, watching color TV in the AC, reading, taking naps at will, eating three well-balanced hot meals a day? And this was not a once-off either. Robert Blecker, a New York law school professor and advocate for the death penalty, told ABC News they're playing on softball fields with line base paths and umpires in uniforms, while other guys are hanging out getting a suntan. Those who committed the worst crimes, who deserve to suffer the most, generally suffer the least. Which begs the question, are the prison services deliberately keeping these people sweet? Do they feel that providing serial killers with a better life makes them less likely to kill? Normally, serial killers come from a place of anger, where they want to get revenge against the world. The prison guards might be working on the old saying that you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Prison levels. Often, the privileges serial killers enjoy are something they have to earn through good behavior. And if they're immediately rewarded for good behavior, they're less likely to engage in bad behavior, which includes killing people. There is no cookie-cutter prison system. There are different types of prisons and different privileges awarded based on each individual prisoner. If you're caught murdering someone in prison, it's likely that your everyday life from then on will get much worse. You'll be put into isolation, and all your freedoms will be taken away. Serial killers are unlikely to be released from prison early, but they could move from a maximum to a medium security prison based on good behavior and be given great to privileges. In 2019, Canadian serial killer Cody Legobokov was moved from maximum security to medium, much to the outrage of the victim's family. The authorities did not say why, but it's likely that he wasn't causing many problems and was believed to be a lower risk than expected. The downfalls. But prison is no picnic either. One of the biggest myths about serial killers is that they want to get caught. While this is the case for some, the majority want to be free. According to the criminologist Scott A. Bone, they love the act of killing too much. Serial killers gain confidence, satisfaction, and are emboldened by their success, particularly during the early stages of their killing careers. They eventually get better as they go along, and put meticulous amounts of detail into their workings. And the mistakes made usually come from being too cocky and confident, rather than any desire to be behind bars. For a lot of serial killers, prison marks the end of the exciting double life they'd created. Fred West, Harold Shipman, Carl Denker, and countless others are all serial killers whose last murder was themselves. When the dust is settled and they finally had to face the music for their actions, they often end their own lives. They get older. As men and women get older, their testosterone levels decrease. Testosterone is a hormone that can produce anger, sexual desire, and strength, all of which are key attributes for the perfect serial killer. According to the professor of psychology, James M. Dabbs Jr., prior studies have found higher levels of testosterone among persons who commit violent crimes than among those who commit non-violent crimes. While it would be foolish to say testosterone is the root cause of serial killers, some people assert that it can definitely be considered a small factor. If you get weaker and less angry as you get older, then it stands to reason that the likelihood of you killing someone will also decrease. There's no conclusive link between testosterone and serial killers. However, less than 1% of sexual homicides are caused by people over the age of 50. Being a serial killer is often a young man's game. And sometimes, serial killers have finished killing even before they're caught. Dennis Rader, for instance, finished killing in 1991, but was not apprehended until 2005. Gary Ridgway did most of his killings in 1982 and 1983, but it took the police 20 years to find him. But the biggest motivator of any serial killer is what's going on in their mind. They get diagnosed. 
While serial killers should be held accountable for their actions, mental illness is also a factor. American psychiatrist Jeffrey A. Lieberman was tasked with treating the serial killer David Berkowitz, who was known as the Son of Sam killer. Lieberman was astounded by the effect that a few meds had on a brutal killer. When on medication, he was docile and rational. However, when he stopped his meds, as he did repeatedly, he came under the sway of his symptoms, auditory hallucinations, in which a dog's voice, he called it the Son of Sam, commanded him to kill long-haired young women. As well as the drugs which were available, sometimes the drugs which were unavailable helped too. Jeffrey Dahmer was an alcoholic and used this drug to help him carry out his crimes, and drug abuse is incredibly common among serial killers. Without these drugs, they might also be less inclined to kill too. They have reformed. As we all know, it is difficult to take a serial killer on their word. If they solemnly swear that they're sorry for what they have done, then they might for once be telling the truth. Defense experts argued that like many other serial killers, Shawcross suffered a toxic combination of physical and mental damage. Arthur Shawcross murdered two children in 1972 and was released from prison in 1987 for good behavior. However, he ended up killing 12 more people upon release. There are many cases where serial killers have claimed to have been reformed, been released, and then murdered again. Masters of manipulation will inevitably use the same tactics when trying to get parole. There are some cases when the world's worst killers may have actually turned another page. Ted Bundy spent his last night in prison in tears, appealing to God. Carla Homolka a notorious serial killer, is now a mother of three and living a pretty normal life. But the best example is the son of Sam killer, David Berkowitz. Once he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, Berkowitz has also become a born-again Christian since his arrest and spends his days working as the prison chaplain. He also helps with more mundane tasks, such as cleaning and paperwork. For him, prison time has been a sobering experience. First of all, I want to be a good Christian because uh, I want to please the Lord, but it's my way of saying that I'm sorry for the things that happened in the past. And, uh, I'm sorry for, uh, you know, being that, that bad person. At the end of the day, prison is about punishing people for wrongdoings, but it is also about rehabilitation. Maybe, just maybe, some serial killers are deeply sorry for their actions. Thank you so much for watching. Click on the videos you see in front of you for more content.